1: I love these questions. Are you ready for rapid fire?
2: Let's go! It's game day rapid fire, baby. Let's go. All right.
1: Is the Ohio State game proof that the gap is closing in Notre Dame's post-Brian Kelly era?
3: I'd like to take the lead on this one, Vince. Um, you go it. You go. I, I will say so there's there's two ways scale of one to this. ten. Oh boy, are we gonna
1: play the fence here again? <laughs> no,
3: that, we're not playing the fence here. In terms of everything. outcomes, I've seen these type of outcomes before. I've seen the close losses to teams, right? I don't. That's the part where I don't think the gap has shrunk. But when we're talking about the players on the field and the talent on the field and what that means for shrinking that gap in the future, I 100% agree because I think that Marcus Freeman has a different and better product on the field. Than, than Brian Kelly ever did. And, and the guys that are doing that are Flores, Great House, Jeremiah Love, guys who never would have sniffed the field under Brian Kelly's regime. And so in that regard, I do think so. But I, again, Marcus Freeman hasn't won that big game yet, right? He's lost a couple of the, the big ones, and we saw that over and over again with Brian Kelly. So I don't think anything has really changed and that outcome yet. But I think the way that this team plays and the way that they produce on the field is different than, than teams Brian Kelly has. And so I think that's going to lead to more success down the road. Okay.
2: My initial thought on this was no, it, it, the Ohio state game is not proof that the, that the gap is closing because Brian Kelly came real close to beating really good teams. He did Georgia twice, Georgia yeah. twice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he beat Oklahoma on the road, right? I mean, there were, there were certain games that he was close the difference is, and I, I, I'm refining my answer because of what kind of what Jesse just said. They were close in those games against Georgia. Did you ever, and this is not a rhetorical question, <laughs> did you ever feel in those Georgia games like Notre Dame was going to win those games?
3: No, they were just trying to keep up. I
2: didn't feel like keep, yes. I
1: didn't feel like they were definitely I felt like they maybe, yeah. I think like they.
3: They had a chance, but I like never if Georgia felt like did something stupid,
2: like yeah. and let the door open, then Notre Dame could win. Notre you Dame know needed what I mean? to play
3: a perfect game, and right. that was the difference. And they, or the it, other they, team
2: they, had to had to really mess up, right? Yes. I mean that that's that was always how I felt going into like those games under Brian Kelly led teams. This one was different. Notre yes. Dame should have won that game, and I don't care who gets pissed off because I said that. That's fine. They were winning the game until three seconds to go. Okay. They should have won that game. They played better than Ohio State. They just, they lost because they didn't play better down the stretch. Okay. The Ohio State's a better team. They won. That's fine. I I, That's fine. But Notre Dame should have won that game. I never felt that way under Brian Kelly. So that's the difference. So yeah, if if we're talking about that game in particular, then yeah, I do feel like they're closing the gap. I do. But they still got to win it. They still got to win it, but they are closing the gap.
1: Yeah, I agree with uh Jesse's line of thinking. I mean that's that's basically kind of the way I look at it is close doesn't matter. Did you win the game or not? They were close under Brian Kelly. It was, you know, in these regular season games against these elite teams and they even won some of those games. They beat Clemson a couple of times. You know, they beat Mark beat Clemson with Marcus Freeman last year. They beat uh, number one Clemson, Oklahoma uh, with, with Brian Kelly a few years ago, Oklahoma, sure. you know, they beat Michigan in a ranked matchup a few years back. So it's not like they never won games against good teams or played close against the elite teams under Brian Kelly. But what Jesse said, like you could see, especially from a skill position standpoint, Notre Dame is toe to toe, toe to toe, baby with, with, you know, elite wide receiver guys who are going to yeah. all be
3: playing in the NFL on the other with side, the best yeah. wide
2: receiver room in the country
3: who played right. best in the, in those games, the young guys, Benjamin Morrison. Yeah. uh I mean, Cam Love, Hart did as well. Regal He's old. But, right. But yeah. I'm saying like, when you but you're going to plug it, Christian
1: gray in there next year when Cam right. Hart is gone. And I don't think you're going to miss a beat. Really? I think it's good. You know, and then you're going to plug Jaden Mickey in when the, you know, like, and you've got, I think there's like a cat outside my house. Is that it's I was wondering it's, it's my that was cat. In college, bro. It's my oh, cat. it's your cat. I was yeah. wondering where that. Okay. Man, everyone else upstairs
3: right now and yeah. I'm down here and the cat is, is pissed funny. because they can hear everyone upstairs. So There's a
1: noticeable difference in the in the in the skill position talent that Notre Dame has right now and it's only going to continue to get better yes. in each of the next few years as these recruiting cycles continue to talk uh take off so so no i don't think ohio state is proof that the gap is closed based on result but based on the players that they've got right. notre dame is going to Outlet. start winning these kind of games in yes. the very near
2: future and i'm very confident that that's the case like that's not that's not like a rose-colored glasses approach like i'm very confident based on the recruiting classes the mentality the the coaches that are on the staff like all awesome. of those things equal gap closing
3: Everyone takes responsibility now because the head coach takes responsibility. It's
2: amazing how that works. You know what that's called, Jesse?
3: Accountability.
2: Leadership. Or or leadership. Trickle-down effect. Yeah.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Fill in the blank. The biggest current question you have
2: about Notre Dame football is blank. This one's a hard one because, you know what? My biggest question mark is, can Notre Dame stop a team on a final drive of a game to win it? That's that's my biggest question. Can they stop them on a final drive in a one-possession game to win the game because they haven't done it yet under Marcus Freeman?
3: See, Vince took the easy answer. Can they finish games? Can they close out games? That's that's Well, here's here's mine. Let
1: let me give mine because it's close to Vince, you know, because I know you're going to want to filibuster once you decide you're going to talk there, Jesse. So (laughs) I'll just give mine. And I'll say, can the defense get stops when they need to get stops? You know, whether it's the end of the game, get off the field on third down, can the defense get stops when they need to get stops? That's the biggest question. because statistically across the board, it's a really good defense, but can
3: not in they get off time. the field when it's time to get off the field. Yep. So you guys, I, I can't, I can't repeat what you guys are saying. I anticipated good. these lame responses. <laughs> and so I came wow. up with one myself that was out of the box. Shots. Fired. I wanted, I, my biggest, my biggest question uh, for the, for this team is, uh, or the biggest current question I have about this team is can can the offense produce in the crunch time, short yardage situations? That's the one for me. I don't feel like they figured out their identity on those third and twos, third and threes, fourth and one, fourth and two. It's one thing to know that you you want to go for it and you're going to continue to go for it, but how are you how are you doing it? How are you successfully converting? What are you doing to to think out of are the box? Are you going to use your sledgehammer or not? Or, yeah you know, exactly are, are you gonna, gonna overuse your sledgehammer or, or have
1: him standing on the sidelines
3: yeah and so that's to me like that because that's that's ultimately what decided that game to me against Ohio State is they just left so many uh drives unfinished because they couldn't they, they just didn't have like they they're so good on the first seven to eight yards but they're not good in those last one to two yards so I need to I, that's for me on offense how are they finishing out drives and Continuing to churn out first downs in the high you leverage situation. When you have to get a yard, yes. Yep. That's, well, it's the that's drives me. that
2: matter? Is yes, there gonna exactly. Be the high drive leverage that, drives. Yeah, is there gonna be a, is there gonna be a drive that matters in this game, Jesse? No. Okay, just
1: checking. There might be against Louisville next week.
2: I'm actually more afraid for Louisville.
1: You're afraid for Louisville, or you're afraid of? Louisville, no,
2: I'm afraid for Louisville. Okay, not of, not of. Yeah, I'm They're so at least a little bit more Louisville. dynamic.
1: You know, like when we talk about dynamic, you know, their quarterback is a little bit more of a
2: statue, but still we'll, we'll save that for next week. We'll be but, in bourbon
3: country too, baby. Those fans are something different. Ooh,
2: yes. Put away the women and children. We're coming to burn the house down.
1: Speaking of Louisville, we found out this week that it's going to be a seven 30 kickoff, which means four consecutive primetime games i i I just realized i wrote this question out and i didn't even put a question on it what's your concern any concern with four straight primetime games seven yeah just overall
3: fatigue (laughs) beyond us of us (laughs) (laughs) tell you what
1: man it's thursday and i still haven't recovered from (laughs) i'm exhausted
2: i'm exhausted exhausted. sean styers i want to go bed.
3: Luckily, like unlike uh, you guys, I, I just turned my phone off and went to bed right after that game. I i disconnected, oh, well. baby.
2: Mm, good luck, yeah. you <laughs> wish, wish we could have. <laughs> lucky you, I was in bed at three, so yeah,
3: you know, it, I'm sure it's, you got a couple
1: I, cocktails in you as well that helped you fall asleep. Yeah, nope, that, there was bad, I
3: right. was all of uh, straight conscious mind the entire game, I couldn't be <laughs> conscious mind. couldn't be clouded. Well.
2: I don't worry about it because I think the coaching staff does a good job of the way they set things up and the way they do things and all of that. So I, I'm not worried about it. I, It's just you go to Notre Dame and you expect to play some afternoon games. You know what I mean? Four straight night games is not what you sign up for. Now, these kids like playing under the lights, man. They like playing yeah, in exactly. the prime time games, and I get it. And they probably get a little bit more hype for it and that's great there's going to be more juice in the stands for these two away games when, when they're at night. And so that's cool. And that's all fantastic. I just, I am not obviously a fan and it's not all about me, but I'm not a fan, but I'm not worried about the team. I I think they'll handle it just fine. Although Marcus Freeman was clearly not happy about it, which I
1: I say, Marcus Freeman, not a fan either based on, well, that's because (laughs) he's in
2: his upper thirties and he wants to get some sleep too. And you know, that, and the, here's the difference, though. It's the it's the aftermath of the game, right? It's not necessarily the game itself and being late. It's the aftermath because they just – they they finished up the game and they did it right on a plane and they come back and they get home at like 3 or 4 They're going to the get morning. home at 3 a.m. Like this, that this part weekend. stinks, man. Yeah. And that, that part absolutely stinks. So it's the recovery from that. It's all of that part. So I don't think it affects the game itself but then you got to recover and you got to do all these different things that you don't normally have to do after a night game during the week. I think that's the problem.
3: So Vince, he took a lot of my ammunition there. Um, I don't think it has any realistic um, effect on the games themselves. I think you just kind of said that Um, the only thing I would be concerned about and, this this more so falls on the duties of the head coach, and they'll they'll get it figured out. There'll be a master schedule, and it, it'll all be right. fine. But Vince, I, you talked about it. It's it's getting home, and not going to. And not only do these guys, when the game's over, their bodies are exhausted, they're exhausted, mentally exhausted, but then you're still running off fumes of adrenaline, and so even yeah. that is keeping you up hours through the evening, right? And so it's not on get, plane, That like, was my
1: Saturday night slash Sunday morning when I got yeah. home
3: from the game the other night right yeah don't and have so it, everything running through you that's we're not getting part, on a plane
2: you know yeah
3: yeah and so like that's the part that's only um a little bit worrisome is because now you're getting into to me it's a compounding effect of what that could have looked like you know three four weeks down the road because these first couple of weeks it's gonna be nothing these guys are young you know they they stay up late right like it's it's nothing to them and they've been playing football their whole life but when we're talking in you know a USc and it's the fourth time and I just don't want injuries to compound because the, because of you know recovery time that's compromised because you're getting home at you know three four in the morning but you know Notre Dame has a great training staff they'll you know Sunday they'll be probably all those guys will be in the training room and I talked about this earlier the week too is like it just kind of compromises practice potentially too because is everyone fully recovered and ready for practice on Monday right so are you getting the full the full Monday. amount out of practice there is on no practice Monday. Monday
2: yeah they practice Sundays Jess
1: No, they don't practice on Sundays anymore. I thought they did. No. Oh,
2: so they give them two days off? Oh, okay.
1: uh, Monday is more like you get – it's not necessarily a practice day, but it is, you know, like I think it's – Treatment day? Film and treatment and those kind of things. Gotcha. It's like Saturday mornings for high school. Right. Sunday is the day off. Monday okay. You get into the film and the I just remember last days, year they, they were practicing stuff. on Sundays. And then it's all Tuesday, right. Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Switched it up. Switched
2: gotcha, it gotcha, up. gotcha. But yeah,
3: that's that's the only thing is I just don't want you don't want recovery time and practice time potentially compromised, you know, down the road, I guess is what I'm saying. Cause that that's the thing is in the first couple of weeks it's not going to matter, but when you're compounding and losing time and time and time and now, you know, four weeks down the road you've maybe lost a, a full day or two days of recovery because of all the time that's compounded before it. Yeah.
1: And I'm sure they'll figure out a way, you know. They'll, they'll adjust, probably do kind of what they talked about after coming back from Ireland. They can figure out, you know, if they're going into the to the fourth game, the USC week, you know, maybe some some ways that they can, you know, oh, we, maybe we don't need this individual period. We can take it a little bit lighter, you know, those kind of things. And at the very least, they'll be able to get into a rhythm since they'll have the
2: same schedule for the most part. That's true. A for a month. I mean, they're going to have yeah. the exact same schedule for a month. And then they have a buy, right? So, yeah, exactly <laughs> that buy that bye week is looking awfully good after th- four night games, isn't it?
1: Seriously, seriously. So, do you buy or sell Notre Dame wearing
3: green uniforms more regularly? Uh, this is a sell for me. I think that uh, you go with the green uniforms once, maximum twice uh, per season. And you're very selective about when you wear them, a.k.a. Ohio State and USC. I I don't mind wearing them for the big games and the night games and whatever it might be. Don't pull out a green uniform for a day game against Pitt. Like, let's strategically (laughs) think about when we're going to wear these uniforms. I think that's the only thing for me. But I think there is um, such thing as watering it down or becoming too saturated. So I'm, I'm a maximum of two times per year. So in other words, yes, because they've never done it twice in a year, I don't believe. Yeah, so the answer is still yes, but like, okay. you know, don't overdo it.
2: And that's fair. I I'm on I'm on board with that. Like you want to make it like their alternate uniform or something like that for big games, like okay, I'm cool. Like I think Clemson wears purple pants or something for big games, like if those want to be your big game jerseys, all right. I, I again, I don't want them to oversaturate it and frankly, I'm sick and tired of hearing about we're oh, losing the green jerseys, which Clearly it's not true, but no matter how many times you tell somebody that, they don't believe you, and now we have empirical evidence that they lost in a green jersey, so that's all anybody's going to remember. Right? I hate that conversation, but I do like the green jersey, so once or twice a year, I'm cool with it.
1: I like the way that they've done it the last – couple of years they've announced it before the season started this is going to be the green game it's not making a whole everyone stops
3: asking about it when are they gonna wear them why aren't they wearing them i heard
1: you know one of the national guys this week oh what are you wearing the green for you know like you're treating this like you're an underdog no they announced it several months in advance it it wasn't like some surprise thing everybody knew they were gonna wear the green it's been a thing and that's i like doing it like that and i like the one green game like that personally i would like to see them as opposed to putting the names on the jerseys for the bowl game i would li- like to see them wear green during the bowl game as well Ooh. like that have like that be their second time you know like that's the thing instead of the names you wear green in the bowl game i get
2: done with that yeah i could definitely get down because that's a special game right that's... yeah
3: that's what i mean they, they're special occasion yeah. uniforms
2: and can't they do both sean can't they go green and names
1: they
3: could they very well I did. Could. They did last year. Remember? What about white jerseys with green names and green letters? They were
1: hard to see, though. <laughs> the, na- <laughs> the names on the green were hard to see. So, <laughs> but they couldn't do both. That's a fair point. So, guys, is the Ryan hole or Ryan? Is the Lou Holtz versus <laughs> Ryan Day the rivalry that we didn't know we needed?
2: I was going to let you lead off on this one. All Go right, ahead, I'll Vince. take it. Take All right. <laughs> Yes, it's the rival we never knew we needed. Yes, I love it, because every time Ryan Day opens his mouth, he sounds like a moron, and it's fantastic. <laughs> he just sounds dumber and dumber each time. And people, from experience, when something's going on that's not good for you, shut up. Just stop talking. Just stop talking. It goes away. But no, nope, so- you got keep, to gotta keep going, and the spotlight's still going to be on you, and you're picking on an 86-year-old man. And the person that has made the best points so far is the eighty-six-year-old man. Is the eighty-six-year-old man, and it makes you look even
3: dumber. So, bring it on, baby! I love it. So I'm going to go with the simple answer. Here is I'm going to say yeah too because, um, like Vin said, it it just makes Ryan, yeah, Ryan Day (laughs) look dumber and dumber every time he just goes into this thing for and responds to it like. Just this whole thing, to me, has just given me such a clarity and insight of who Ryan Day is and what his insecurities are as a head coach. And it's very obvious. And it was funny. I was I was uh, reading a tweet this morning at work, and some guy tweeted that it's funny because Lou Holtz, the only reason that this is a thing is because Lou Holtz is bitter that Ohio State didn't take him back, that he couldn't be a head coach there or something. I was like, how self-absorbent are you, people? You just think everyone wow. wants to be at Ohio State and that everything revolves on his Around hardcore. Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. And so I was just like, the more that this goes on, the more I just, I feel better about how stupid their head coach and fan base is altogether.
1: This is just like a pro wrestling thing, you know, like, like Ryan Day came out of the shoot and like, if you go <laughs> back and you, you, you watch the NBC thing at the end, Jerry Emig, their SID is on the field before the interview starts and he tells Ryan day to take a breath and day turns to him and he goes, watch this. And it's like, the whole thing was just a big put on is all it was. It was like Ryan day's heel turn. I'm going to come off the top rope and I'm going to go crazy. And I'm going to show, I'm going to show you what I can be here. Oh, I'm the macho man, you know? And like, here's Lou Holtz, little old Lou Holtz. He's like the pro wrestling manager coming in out, you know, and he's just, He's got his cane. Not that he literally has one, but he's got his cane, and he's like poking at Ryan Day with the cane. And it's like the fact that Lou Holtz, not knowing what the questions were going to be in that interview, he recited all six of Ryan Day's losses off the top of his head, and talk about how he got pummeled in the running game, and his team got pummeled in the running game all six times,
2: you know. And so like, and Ryan Day couldn't even recite what halves of football he stunk at.
1: That's exactly right. He's trying to claim it was just one half. <laughs> right. You no. Know? What? And it's I, I it's it's just beautiful because like not only did, you know, Lou Holtz said he called Marcus Freeman and apologized. That's great. But he just came right back, loaded up his shotgun and came right back at Ryan Day again. I just think love it's it. awesome. And I'm 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 really it's kind of sad that these teams aren't gonna play again for who knows yeah. how long unless they end up beating in a bowl game, because I love to see Lou coming at Ryan oh, Day. Even I, want, more.
2: I want Lou Holtz to flip the coin. I want him to be front and center on the whole thing. This, this is. I really, really wish Notre Dame would have won that game. Now, if they would have won, Ryan Day wouldn't have spouted his mouth off. But right. it reminds me very similar. It reminds me of the Bob Barker Adam Sandler you know fight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where Bob <laughs> Barker just beats the crap out of Adam Sandler, uh-huh. and Adam Sandler just keeps getting back nice. up for more. I like that one. <laughs> Like, that's what it reminds me of. And it's going to continue reminding me of that as long as Ryan Day keeps chatting. Yep. Perfect.
1: So USC's at Colorado this weekend. Over under one quarter, the game stays competitive.
3: Uh, I'm going to take the over. I think um, I think that uh, Oregon and USC's offensive firepower is very similar. I think Colorado's going to have a hard time, you know, slowing down USC. Um, But the difference to me is USC is kind of putrid on defense, and I think they'll have a better chance of scoring and and maybe keeping it, you know, maybe winning a quarter or two here or there. But I just think that the outcome is going to be much closer because USC is not nearly as good on defense.
2: I want to say under because Ohio State's offense is just – I mean, Ohio State, wow. USC's offense is so good, and I don't think Colorado's defense is very good at all. And so I think they're just going to score every time they touch the ball. The difference is going to be, can, can Colorado match score for score right. at all at the beginning of the game? I don't think that they can, but, like, what's your definition of a game? You know what I mean? Is it two scores? Is it one score? You know, if it's more than two scores, then, yeah, they'll keep it a game and over, over a quarter, but it's not going to be a realistic game. Like, It's going to be very obvious to everybody watching that that game is over after one.
1: Uh, I don't know. About I don't agree with that one. I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go over a quarter that it stays competitive. I do think Colorado is going to score. You know, I I do have some concerns about USC after coming home from the game last Saturday night and watching them struggle against Drew Pine and Arizona State. Um, I, I think Colorado can score. They're not going to be able to stop Caleb. Roy, no, but not I, I one did. think Colorado <laughs> will at least score on USC. So I think it'll. I think it'll be, you know, like maybe even a 10-point a game at a halftime. I yeah. think USC ends up winning by at least a couple of touchdowns. I don't know that they end up covering the full, what is it, like 21-and-a-half or something like that going into this one? I'm, I'm more interested in that over-under,
3: <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is. What is the over-under, do you know? Uh, let me look I don't have my out. phone here with me right now. Stand by. Take the over. Yeah, I think both teams could get into the
2: 40s. I don't see Colorado scoring 40. They, I see them I mean, scoring look,
3: at least
1: 30.
2: I see him They looked absolutely 30. inept offensively last week.
1: Well, Oregon's got a better defense thing. I know, Vegas but they just looked ahead.
2: they they couldn't figure anything out offensively. Like I, yeah, it, that was now maybe that was some of that was self-induce or you know was induced by Oregon. I get that, but. Man,
3: 73 and a half on the over and under. 73 and a half. That That's high. a lot. Of That's points.
2: A you're, you're, I mean, it's a lot, but if you guys are both thinking that uh, USC is going to score 40, and if you think they're going to get
3: in the 30s. A 40-30 game is right there.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm saying I would take the under on that one. I don't.
1: I'm trying to I see. I need that. to go back because we sent in our predictions, and that was one of the game that we had to pick. I've actually, I've got 77 total points. Wow being scored. Now that's just my pick, but that's what I've got.
2: So uh I have 55.
1: Okay. Man, I mean I said I said 4532. 4532 is my final prediction. USC winning. 45 that
3: has only not hit in like one USC game this year. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. And the only one was USC Stanford and it was still 56 to 10.
1: speaking of uh props how about some game props Notre Dame oh,
3: my favorite minus team.
1: five and a half and the over under on this Notre Dame Duke game 51 and a half points what do you guys think
3: um I would say in terms of spread I'm definitely taking five and a half and I would I would comfortably take this all the way up to 12 and a half to be honest with everyone I'm, I'm definitely gonna tease nine and a half and I'm gonna tease 12 and a half as well. So yeah. that's where I'm at on the spread, um over underwise. I it, what always makes over unders hard for me is like Notre Dame's defense, man. Like if, if Notre Dame, they could potentially see Duke scoring like you know 14 points, and that means Notre Dame's got to lift the legs and you know do the leg work and score 37 more of the other points. And so like I don't know, I don't mess with over unders, but I'm just gonna take with the the under on this one because I just don't think Duke's gonna score enough. I short
2: and sweet. I'm with Jesse. I think that five and a half number is way too low, and so I would easily take Notre Dame minus the points. And I'm going to take the under because I think I do think Al Golden's defense is going to come out, and they're not going to pitch a shutout, but it'll be darn it'll be darn close. So I don't see Notre Dame scoring 45. So yeah, that's, that's that's
1: that's exactly it. Yeah, you know, how much how much is Notre Dame actually going to be able to score? I've got. I've got the under as well, and and Notre Dame minus five and a half. Seems like a pretty easy pick. Yes, it does. We all picked the wrong way last year. Let's all
3: make some money.
1: (laughs) Sam Hartman, over under 243 and a half passing yards and one and a half touchdown passes.
3: Uh, I'll go over on the passing touchdowns, and I will go under on the 243. I just think they get nearly 250 to 300 on on the ground by the end of the day. I agree.
2: 47th pass efficiency defense i'm taking the over on passing i'm taking the over on passing touchdowns
1: number 65 though in or 68 one of those in uh rushing defense which is like i
2: i I
1: tend to you are number one in my
3: heart
2: (laughs) hey listen sam hartman is as human as the rest of us he has heard the chirping about how ineffective he was in the last game he's gonna come out firing
1: and I mean it wasn't even chirping he heard it directly from someone from the media right after
2: the game so (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) yeah by the way I had somebody come up to me about that as well and they're like yeah you guys nailed that one (laughs) yeah we did
1: we try we do try yeah Uh uh-huh yeah I so I agree so I'm going under on the passing yards over one and a half touchdown passes Riley Leonard over under 204 and a half yards and also one-and-a-half touchdown passes. I find it funny under, he's under. got an over-under of one-and-a-half touchdown passes when he has two touchdown passes all season. <laughs> that, thank you
3: for bringing that up because that, now that is an added leg in my parlay. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: passing yards, I don't see him getting to two and a, and a half passing yards
2: either. Do doing have a review? I think <sighs> these are both unders. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton because they're going to be down by so much. So I am going to take the over on the passing yards. But I am going to take the under on the touchdowns.
3: I need to add that now so I don't forget. <laughs> that is such a good leg. <laughs> Chris Tyree, 34 and a half receiving yards. Man, I'll, I, anytime these Tyree ones are in the 30s, I'm going to take it every time because that's yep. one play for him.
2: Yep, me too. Easy. Yep.
1: I concur. And especially when you're not going to have Jaden Thomas out there, there should be more opportunities for And like you said, Really, all it's gonna take is one completion to Chris Tyree, and he's gonna be he's gonna be right around that number with just that yep. one. Uh Audric Estime, 92 and a half rushing yards, and he's got minus two ten odds to be an anytime touchdown score.
3: You might as well take him a hundred plus and a touchdown and get you yeah. some good money for the weekend because that boy's running with some vengeance too. Yep. agreed. Agreed on both. Jordan
1: Waters, the Duke running back, 42 and a half yards, and he's got minus 110
3: odds to score. I don't like him scoring, and 40 is such a low number, Vince. like uh, You talked about garbage time passing yards. Garbage time rushing yards are definitely in there for me as well. So I wouldn't come close to this one, but I I guess I would have to take the over just because of potential garbage time yards. I would take the
2: under because if it's garbage time, he's not going to be in. (laughs)
3: <laughs> air that bad boy out i see what you're saying you're not gonna catch up running the ball that's exactly what i'm saying and
2: i don't think notre dame's gonna give him an inch running the ball i really don't i mean I, one thing that notre dame's been really good at is is run stuffing and, yeah. and they've been really really good at that defensively obviously outside of one play. The big run against ohio state you know yeah. but other than that run and I hate when people say this, like, if you take away that big one, No, but,
1: but I like, mean, th- it was like 60 yards true. on the other 20-some carries or whatever right. it was.
2: I mean, yeah. they shut down Ohio State's run game. Shut it down. And yep. Ohio State's run game is way better than Duke's.
1: Yep. All right. Game prediction time. What do you boys got? Vince, take us. Lead
2: us off. Oh, see, so now I got to pull it up because I don't want to be different. Okay. So, I think Notre Dame, like I said earlier, I think they are going to smell blood in the water. I think Marcus Freeman has these guys just chomping at the bit uh, to come out and just do damage to Duke. So, I've got Notre Dame winning pretty handily uh, in this game. And so, I've got Notre Dame 41, Duke 17.
3: I like that. Um I'm very close to that number. I have Duke at 10. I think they get a little touchdown, get a little field goal. They feel good about themselves and a little blowout. Um, But where Notre Dame stands, this is – I play a tough game here because I'm like, how many passing touchdowns? How many rushing (laughs) touchdowns are we feeling? I think they get two in the air. They get three on the ground. So that puts us at a solid 35. I I keep forgetting my my score prediction because you keep yakking so much. And then Schrader gets himself in there. Uh, I got a, I got a thirty. You know what, I, Vince? You took my number. I was gonna try to be different, but I think it's forty-one to ten. Okay, I See, I, I have two field goals in there. By the that's, way, five that's touchdowns, two field goals. That's what I got. That's what I got.
1: The only thing that can keep this game close, again, it comes back to to Duke and their propensity for causing turnovers. That's that's the only thing that makes this thing a close game, and you know could make it a threat. I've got Notre Dame winning. 30 to 17, I just can't decide, you know, exactly how many points they're going to get. You know, like I, between 30 and 40 is is that's kind where of where I Eileen. And even the 17 might be a little bit much, but, you know, I just, I think we all had 17 for NC State and then they, you know, it should have been 17 <laughs> and they ended up should scoring 24. So it probably should be 10 or 13. And that's kind of why I hedged towards 17 a little bit. I think it's a little bit above, you know what I think that they'll do, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be a pretty handy victory for Notre Dame as uh,
2: as they bounce back this week. Yep. Not going to be close. No.
1: All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We will uh, see how things play out. Of course, don't forget the post-game show coming up after the game upon further review. I don't know when exactly that will come out. Uh, the weekend, sometimes it's Sunday, usually Sunday, Sunday at 8 o'clock, but we'll you know.
2: see how things go.
1: It's been Monday a couple times. It we'll has.
2: Go. It has. And then, of course, we'll
1: be back with Ivy Nation Sports Talk on Monday. So we will talk to you then. For Vince and Jesse, I'm Sean. Happy countdown.